What is chametz? I was taught, I think it was first grade, I was taught that chametz is flour from the five species of, uh, of wheat, plus water, plus 18 minutes. And that would give you the, I guess, the definition of, le- of, of leavened. Okay? That's the definition of chametz. person who eats a uh, kazayit of chametz on Pesach is, is chayv kari. Okay? A person, what about a person who eats a half a kazayit? Not a full shear, a small amount of chametz. Ah? Chatsi shear is also minatorah. Right, it's an isa diorita. It's not an isa correct. Now, um, the first thing I want to discuss on a practical level is what types of chametz do you actually have to get rid of, and what things are you allowed to leave in your room over Pesach. Okay, and this year I'm at the risk of some people actually knowing some of these halachot because you're learning sachem already. But there are a number of different types of tarobit, the mixtures of chametz. Um, obviously, if you're talking about a mixture that is rove chametz, okay, majority of chametz, so then, yeah, yeah, come on in. Come in, come in. Shalom So if you had a mixture that was rove chametz, halachically it would have a din of chametz mamish. In other words, if you had a mixture of 51% chametz and you, all, and you ate exactly a kazite of that, uh, it would be a regular din of karek, and it would be no no difference. Then you have the next level of mixture. You would have a kezayit tochdei alchiyot pras, meaning you you have one kezayit. Let's say according to the Rambam, for every six kezayitim, kezayit is the size of an olive. How big is a kezayit? Half an egg. Half an egg. Come in, come in, come in. Don't be shy. Here's a seat right here for you. On a practical level, on a practical level, there's not, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting halachot about it, because I talk to but on practical level, as far as uh, as far as like what type of chametz you're allowed to leave, there doesn't really uh, there's no no practical application for that. What you would have, however, is the next stage, which is somewhere in between uh, what's called tamovelomamasha. In other words, if you had a mixture that clearly didn't have a kazai pras, but on the other hand you're not quite sure that you have bittel b'shishim. Bittel b'shishim is if you would have one sixtieth of chametz in a lo- much larger mixture. Um, as an example, will be a good example. Let's say you have a tub of marmite. Let's say you have a tub of peanut butter. Okay, and you have, you you have let's say you know use it to spread on bread, and you started the, the tub already. <coughs> Well, marmite is not a good example because marmite, I think, is chametz gomer, right? It's yeast, yes, it's crazy. Yes. So forget about that. Peanut butter, okay? And you started it already. Do you have to eat or burn or just throw out the, the top of peanut butter, or are you allowed to keep it 
in your room. There's a chair here. You can sit right here. So if you're certain that there's 60 times more peanut butter in there than crumbs, and by the way, most of the time that is the case, uh, that you have 60 times more peanut butter than crumbs, so then halachically you're allowed to just take the take the peanut butter and, and put it away. Okay. Um, it's not kosher pesach. We don't eat things that don't have a hashgacha that's kosher pesach. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you have to throw it away or burn it, because it's not considered chametz gomer. Okay, um, things like I don't know the common things that people have, like oatmeal, obviously is chametz gomer. Marmite is chametz gomer. You have to get rid of it. Beyond that, you know, obviously if you have cookies, biscuits, and, and whatnot. I have to figure out to throw in a whatnot for you. Um, <laughs> that would definitely be Chametz Gomer. But beyond that, most things are not Chametz Gomer. Most things, if you know what's in them, you read the ingredients, you don't necessarily have to throw them away. You could just put them away in your closet, in your room, and not use them over Pesach. Yes, what was your question? I was going to ask what Marmite what? Marmite. So Vegemite? Is that like Vegemite? It's, it's like Vegemite, it's but, it's but even worse. Okay. <laughs> but even worse. You can't get worse. Yes. I'm sorry, what's your name? Akiva. Akiva. Mordechai. What's the halakha if you're not sure if it was a 60th or not? Like, but like sincerely, you, you really don't know. You think maybe it could have been, maybe it wasn't. When in doubt, leave it out. If you're not sure, you have to get rid of it. Yeah? Wait. Peanut butter with bread crumbs in. With bre- bread crumbs, yeah. yeah. Can you remove the bread crumbs? If they're removable, no. You look in there. If you see bread crumbs in there, for sure you should remove them. I'm talking about you, you look in, you don't see any bread crumbs, but you kind of know that there might be some bread crumbs in there. I'm saying some people think that you have their machmi, they have to throw out the whole thing. And I'm saying you don't necessarily have to throw, throw out the whole thing. That's my point. Yes? So you spoke about uh, about the magician and uh, things that were grove or more from it, but in between? In between, I, I could talk about it, but there's no, there's no practical application for it. There's no practical application in, in between. Because in between, you do have to get rid of it. You're not allowed to keep it. You, you're not allowed to keep it. There's a machloket. There's a machoket achronim whether there's bayra bayimotze for something that's not quite shishim, but at the same time um, uh, doesn't. You don't have a kazayat tochevechilat pras. But most achronim hold that you can be open bayra bayimotze if you would have a total amount of a total amount of chametz of of a kazayat. You with me? In other words, you know, if you had some kind of a food. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to, uh, let's say let's say a box of cornflakes. Okay, cornflakes has malt flavoring. Malt flavoring is made from barley. Okay, and it's chametz. But it could be that in a box of of cornflakes, if you were able to somehow concentrate all the malt flavoring into one capsule, you probably wouldn't come. I'm guessing. I don't really know. You probably wouldn't come to a, a size of a kazayat. You with me mm-hmm. now? So, <coughs> at the, at, on the other hand, it's definitely not bottle bishishim because it's put in there for flavor. It, it gives tam, it gives flavor. 
So it's definitely not both of Bishishim. So what's the deal with that such a cornflake box? So the answer, according to Samachram, you could be over in Bali Rabbi Amatse in it, and you have to get rid of it. Um, according to others, the minority view is that you're not over in Bali Rabbi Amatse. Okay? Yes. Kiva. Um, is is Bittu Bashishim also applicable in Kashrut with meat and milk? Yes, yes, well, yeah, but we're not going to get into it. Yeah, no. Yeah. So if, if, it, if it is Bittu Bashishim, but there's definitely a Kazai of Chamesh in there, overall? No, it, I'll get to that in a moment. But if, if, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the stage for four Bittu Bashishim. Oh, you are? Okay, yeah. If something's completely Bittu Bashishim. Like, give it a jar, it's Bittu Bashishim we're talking about, right? As far as putting it away, you'd be able to put it away. You wouldn't be able to consume it. Okay. You wouldn't be able to eat it. Okay. Um, when it comes to something that is bottle b'shishim, if it happened, if the bittel, if the mixture happened before Pesach, so basically we say that it's bottle. If it's something that happened on Pesach, in other words, if a little crumb falls into a, a pot of soup, of chicken soup, on Pesach, um, we say that even if it's a chad be'elef, it's not bottle. It's a chumrah, an extra chumrah, gezeru de Rabbanan, that on Pesach, chametz is not bottle of filo chad be'elef. So some people ask, if that's true, then if somebody, let's say, went to, I don't know, the kineret, and decided to feed the, the uh, fish, and threw in, let's say, a little tiny crumb of, uh, of chametz, so then he would contaminate the water supply for all of Israel, and no one would be able to drink water on Right on Pesach, if it happened on Pesach, and the answer is that that wouldn't be the case because Chazal, even they said Chad be'elaf, they didn't mean a Chad billion. Right. In other words, there is a point where it's complete annihilation and and, and it's considered non-existence. Okay. Okay. Let's get to another type of comment that you, some of you might have uh, come across if you went to Tosus Arashba recently, and that is Chometz Nuksha. Okay? Chometz Nuksha, there are two definitions of what Chometz Nuksha is. It comes from the, 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 the source of the word Nuksha, it comes from the word Kasher. Um, one type of Chometz Nuksha is that the process of fermentation was not complete. The best example for that is that if you take, let's say, flour and water, and you make it into a type of a glue, okay? They used to make glue out of mixing flour and water. And they used to use this glue to paste paper or to, to glue, uh, swarm together with flour and water. And that's chametz nuksha. Um, another example of chametz nuksha is um, chametz is, is a type of thing that was never really meant to be food. Glue, I guess, again, is another good, a good example of it. Uh, but another example of, of, I'm sorry, I'll give you another example of the first case where the, the process of chimus did not, it, didn't, it wasn't finished. A good example is egg matzahs. Egg matzahs made, are made by using flour and eggs, but not water. Sometimes they'll use juice, but juice that's not, in other words, natural juice that, that, that there wasn't water put into it. Let's say like apple juice straight from you know squeezed from the apple. Um, that's considered according to Rashi is considered chametz nuksha. Most Rishonim hold that it's not chametz nuksha. Rashi holds 
that it's a typical situation where the chimutz has been held up, and that's called chametz nuksha. Okay, so again, chametz nuksha is either that the chimutz, the, the fermentation, is not is not complete, or that it wasn't meant to be eaten. Now, what's the halach of chametz nuksha? Chametz nuksha is asur ba'chila midrabanan. You can't eat chametz nuksha, nuksha on Pesach. Um, it's bottle b'shishim even on Pesach. And there's no dinner by Rabbi Matzeh. Now, it's very lucky that there's no dinner by Rabbi Matzeh, because in the good old days when they used to make svarim, you know, using this flour and water paste, they would have to burn all their books every era of Pesach. Right? Which obviously wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be advantageous. And, and the halakha of Chamit Nuksha is that you don't have to get rid of it. Uh, back to the issue of, of egg matzah, so Rashi Paskins that it's Chamit Nuksha. As I mentioned to you, most of Shonim hold it's not. Most of Shonim hold the egg matzahs are completely kosher for Pesach. The Ramah, however, points out that the minhag of Ashkenazim is that only people that are not capable of consuming regular matzahs may eat egg matzahs. Mm-hmm. Now that could be traumatizing for some of us. I remember um, when I was young, reading the side, mm-hmm. size of a, mm-hmm. the side of a box of Horowitz Margaretten um, chocolate-dipped egg matzahs, and on the side of it, it said, Begabik Hashrut or Achilat, it was Hebrew letters, right? Achilat, I don't know what they remember, they're called egg masses. I think they just spelled it out, egg masses. Ayin, Ramah, Baba, you know, they gave you like Maramakomos in the side of the box. It wasn't like, a, like on, let's say, on a cigarette box where there's a certain general's warning. It says, warning, you know, this can kill you or something like that. It just gave him, like, Hebrew writing on the side, gave you Maram Akomus, look at the Ramah. So when I was old enough to actually look at the Ramah, I saw the Ramah said, you're not allowed to eat it. You know, which is an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> but that's the din of egg matzahs. What's it again? Hmm? What's it again? The Ramah? Where is the Ramah? Where is the Ramah in Shachanah? I that can't quote it for you offhand. I could find it you afterwards. You come to me, I'll show it to you. Okay? Yes? I'll get to I'll get to Dior in a moment. Okay, uh, it wouldn't be exactly a case of chametz nuksha. Um, Dior would be the next classification, which is nifsal nifsal machilat keller. When food gets to a point where even a dog doesn't eat it, it ceases to have a lacha of food. It's no longer food. Okay, so if something is nifsal machilat keller. Before Pesach, I stress, before Pesach, um, there's no longer any type of an Isser. And it's completely mutter. Now, some of you might be asking yourselves, well, why would I care? I mean, once it's no longer food, I'm not interested in eating it anyway. So, the answer is things like deodorant. As you know, when you're talking about Chametz on Pesach, there are three different halachot. Right? One is Isra Achila, one is Isra Hanoah, and one is Bayroah Bayamatzeh. And therefore, even if it's not edible, if it would have the halacha of chametz, you wouldn't be able to get hana, and, and perhaps you wouldn't be able to own it. But something as nifsal machila kelev, that a dog wouldn't eat it, if it reaches that point before Pesach, it doesn't have a din of chametz, it doesn't have a din of food, and therefore, you could own it, you could, you could get hana from it, and uh, the orient is a, is a very good example. The Chazanish points out, if you have a dehydrated food, Dehydrated to a point that a dog wouldn't eat it, uh, Chazanish holds that that does not disqualify it as food. 
Okay. But another interesting question is what if something is denatured? You know what denatured means? Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. I'll have to take your word for that. Um denatured alcohol. You ever hear of denatured alcohol? Denatured alcohol. You read the side the size of an alcohol rubbing alcohol, it usually says on a denatured alcohol. Um, what they do is they pour poison into the alcohol. Now why would they want to pour, pour pour icky stuff into alcohol? Because alcohol is one of those things that governments um, put taxes on in order to make money by right, drinking alcohol. And when you have a pharmaceutical company that produces alcohol that might normally be drinkable, so in order to not to have to pay taxes on it, what they do is they denature it, they, they pour icky stuff into it so that it can't be drunk. And therefore they don't have to pay taxes. It's denatured. So the postkim have a very interesting, uh, interesting question. In other words, if I have yummy alcohol, and then I pour in icky liquid into that alcohol, do I look at the alcohol as though it's nifsal machila kelev, or do I say no? There are molecules here of yummy alcohol sitting side by side with icky molecules. It's just I can't get to the yummy alcohol, the yummy molecules without getting to the icky molecules. Or let's say I had a slice of bread and I pour gasoline onto the bread. Okay? Do I say that the bread is nifsa mechilat kelev and loses its status of chamed simply because I can't squeeze it out and just eat the bread? Or not? Okay? That's a machloket. Halakha l'maysa, most poskim lean more to the, to the hummus side and a choshesh that perhaps... Um, that would be considered ochel, or considered like chametz. You with me? Rav Moshe Feinstein lomaisa is machmir only when it's when it, when it's talking about liquids, something with the viscosity of water. And the reason why he was machmir specifically for that, and, and generally he's, he's makel, he holds that it's not chametz, was because when he was in Europe. He saw um, Russian soldiers drinking cologne and perfume because they couldn't get their hands on regular vodka or whiskey or whatever, and they so much wanted to drink that they actually drank uh, cologne and whatever. My father also told me that he saw, after the war, he saw Russians doing that, drinking like perfume and cologne, etc., uh, even though there was a lot of icky poison in there, um, simply in, simply to get drunk, and because of that, so Moshe felt that he should be machmir. So things like perfume that have alcohol in it, uh, things like uh, liquid underarm deodorant, not not cream, but liquid meaning it has a viscosity of water, that Rav Moshe is machmir on and feels that you have to get rid of uh, before Pesach. But other things like solid underarm deodorant or stick or some, a spray that comes out as a powder, uh, is something that he felt he didn't have to worry about. Now, as to the mitziyut, uh, um, about alcohol, alcohol doesn't necessarily have to come from wheat or barley. Alcohol can come from corn, and then it wouldn't be chametz. Alcohol can come from petroleum, and then it wouldn't be chametz. Alcohol can come from, you know, fruit of different types, etc. Not all alcohol is used in perfumes and colognes and, and, and things like that, or even in mouthwash, is necessarily chametzic alcohol. There are lists and ways of, of uh, you know, of, of, of sometimes checking 
whether the alcohol in your mouthwash or the alcohol in your toothpaste is um, is, is from chametz source or not from chametz source. Uh, last I read, these type of things in pharmaceuticals, it's something like 90% of the alcohol is not from chametz sources in any case. Yes? Oh, that's the famous Rav Salvatic story. <laughs> yes. Indeed, Rav, Rav uh, Salvatic, at least according to the legend, said that, that toothpaste is nifsal mechil kalev. Um, but I went to Rav Luchensin a number of years ago, and I asked him, I said, some of my kids just love toothpaste. And you, know, so you, you have like strawberry flavored toothpaste, and some people even like mint flavored toothpaste. And little kids go and they suck on the tube. Come on, how many of you sucked on a toothpaste when you were kids? Come on. Let's see, who are the brave ones? There you go, Hilla. I'm very proud of you. My Talmudian. The rest of you are just, just, you're just liars. You're just, just, you're too embarrassed to admit it. Well, let's say it's strawberry flavored. Because <laughs> you're hungry? Because it tastes good? <laughs> I asked for Luchensing, you know, and he said, for sure, he said, the toothpaste nowadays are not, not possible to a Keller. Um, he says maybe like in 1950, toothpaste was, was not Royal Achille Keller. Nowadays it's very hard to say that it's not Royal Achille Keller. And if you have a dog, you could, you could make an, do an experiment. Um, no, I remember, you know, somebody in my family is very into these, uh, fish, these fish oil pills that have a high, high in omega-3, okay? And so, the drugstore guy in, in a frat said, I said, I want one with a hashkach. He says, well, you know, it costs more money. I said, I don't mind, uh, you know, give me one hashkach. He says, but you don't need it because it's not Royal Achille Kelev. So I said, I said, it's fish oil. Of course it's Royal Achille Kelev. He says, no, it's not. So I decided to take one home. And I pricked it with a pin, so a little bit of the oil came out. I opened up my front door, put it out. Within 60 seconds, two different cats came, and they were fighting over this this fish pill. Like, okay. In other words, yes, you could put it in front of a kelev and see whether the kelev eats it or not. You could try it with your toothpaste. Uh, my guess is that they will they will like it because it has a sugar flavor to it. Uh, it could be a kelev doesn't like mint, but there are people that like mint and you know and mint candies and, and things like that. Um, so toothpaste, I think nowadays does need a hashkocha, or at least to know you could, there are lists that could tell you whether the alcohol in it is from from uh, chametz or not. And just as a uh, as a side point, the Colgate toothpaste that's sold in the Makolet for Pesach is made in Manchester and has is kosher Pesach. I don't think it's available in England. No, it is not. Yeah, it is. In London. It's made in, it's made in, I think it's, it's available in London because they like ship it back from Israel, back to yeah. London. Yeah. But I'm saying you have to look at the label to see that it's Kushal Pesach. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You know, if you have wheat germ shampoo or beer shampoo, you could, you, in my opinion, you could use that on Pesach. And also, um, also, uh, with liquid soaps. Liquid soaps. I think you could use that. I don't understand why you need a hashkoch on liquid soap. So I'll get to a little bit of the concept of actually a little bit later, but I don't think you need to be machmi for that. One way or the other, yeah. 
Ja. Drinking mouthwash? Whatever, whatever does the trick. Okay. Anyway, yes. Yes. Point of looking, you should use kosher toothpaste the whole year. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, the rest of the year, there is. Look, there is room to be more makele the rest of the year. Because if it's unkosher and you put it in your mouth and you're basically rinsing your mouth and you're spitting it out anyway, there's less of a problem. Okay, you're not really ingesting it. There's no isohanon. But on Pesach, there's an isohanon on top of everything. Okay? But it is prefer- preferable to know that your, your toothpaste is kosher. Again, there are lists with these things, even though they, I don't know if they're toothpaste that have OUs on them, things like that. Alright. Um, I mentioned before about the fact that something can be bottled b'shishim before Pesach. The truth of the matter is, it's a machokas we've shown him, if there's a concept called chosev in In other words, since the halacha is on Pesach, a chad be'elef is still osur, meaning a much high, a much lower concentration is, is still osur, what happens when Pesach comes around? Well, the husband was already bottled b'shishim. Okay? And then Pesach comes, do I say that the issue is reawakened? Or do I say, no, it's not. So the uh, Rambam felt that there is an Yisrael Chosevinior, and the Rosh felt that it's not Eino Chosevinior, it doesn't, it's not reawakened, it's, it's still mutter. The Shulchanach quotes both, Yeshomrim, Yeshomrim. The Ramah passes the Maisa, Eino Chosevinior. And this is significant because in countries where, as an example, there's not a Hashkacha on milk, and clearly not a Hashkacha for Pesach on milk, so what people do is, they buy up all the milk that they need before Pesach and freeze it. How many of you have seen that? Huh? Okay. I remember when I was young, um, there wasn't, there weren't good hashkachot on on milk um, for Pesach. So my, that's what my father would do. He bought up milk before Pesach and, and froze it. The point being is that even if a tiny amount of chametz fell into the milk, it would be bought to Bashishim before Pesach. But if it was milked on Pesach and a small amount fell into the milk on Pesach itself, it wouldn't be bottled of Tila Be'elef. So by buying it before Pesach, you, quite, you could be quite sure that it was that you know that it was already bottled from before. I think that nowadays, the, the technology and the shelf life of milk, I think I think that that usually if you buy something on Pesach, milk on Pesach, or a milk product on Pesach, and definitely in Israel. It's, it's a very high probability that it wasn't milked on Pesach in any case. Uh, furthermore, the milk products in Israel have a very, very, very good hashkacha, so much so that the mashkichim go to the to the barns where the, where the cows are, like 30 days before Pesach, clean out all the barns, and they change the feed of the cow 30 days before Pesach, so that they have no chametz to feed around uh, for Pesach itself. Okay? Um, yeah. Now there's another hal- interesting halacha called Achshavei. In the Gemara Pesachim Chav Aleph Amud Bet, Rava says, Amar Rava, Nifsal Miachil Kelev Muter Bahana. Any food that was possible, Nifsal Miachil Kelev, is Muter Bahana. So the Rishonim asks, what do you mean? Why does he say mutter Why does he say mutter ba'achila? 
because it's nifsa mechel kela. It's it's no longer it's no longer iser. So the Ran says he meant even a mutav achila, just that normally no one would ever eat it. But if a person wanted to pop in pop it in into his mouth, there wouldn't be any iser. The Rosh, on the other hand, said no. That Rava meant specifically mutav not bachila. Why? Because if something would be nifsa mechel kela. Let's say you have, I don't know, a slice of bread that becomes so moldy and so rotten and putrid that even a dog wouldn't eat it. So if you decide, oh, I'm going to pop that into my mouth and eat it, so there's a, a concept called achshavay. In other words, your action of ingesting it gives it chashivut. And therefore, it's no longer, it, it's, it, it basically reconstitutes it as food because you're eating it. Achshavay. Okay, now the Shulchan Aruch doesn't seem to take a clear stance, just says that if it's nifsal mechel it's muta bahana. The achronim, Mishabura the Taz, said that the Shokonarach is quoting it because he holds that there is a din of achshave. And therefore, according to most postkim, there's a din of achshave. In other words, if you were to pick up something that's not really mechel and eat it, there would be an isr because of achshave. That said, on a couple of practical applications, um, I've seen rabbis that that uh, wrote in books that you have to have hashkacha on paper plates for Pesach because because they use uh, cornstarch in the coating of the uh, paper plates so it doesn't stick to the other paper plates, or that there could be cornstarch on rubber gloves, disposable rubber gloves, that little powdery substance that that helps the gloves slide on easily. Okay. Uh, often they use cornstarch there, and and therefore you need a hashgacha on Pesach. In my humble opinion, I don't think you need hashgacha on, on these things uh, because it's not royal chilat kelev. And even if it gets into your food, it's not really a din of achshave. You're not doing it on purpose. And I've heard that the reason why you might have an OUP on dishwashing liquid is because when you wash the dishes, there's some little residue that's on the dishes, and later on when you want to use a dish, when you want to use that dish, so, you know, your food will have a slight residue of of the dishwashing liquid, and that might have a din of achshavay. I don't think that has a din of achshavay, because you have, you're not intentionally ingesting the, the soap, and it, even if you ac- accidentally eat something, it doesn't have a din of achshavay. Furthermore, um, it's most applicable in the, in the din of medicines. Because if you have a vitamin pill, that's so disgusting that it, you know it, it just has a horrible, horrible flavor, and it's not really lachilakelev at all. So that vitamin pill doesn't need a hashkacha during the year, and doesn't need any special hashkacha for Pesach. Meaning, it's kosher Pesach, and you're allowed to eat it. Oh, but you're eating it, you're ingesting it. So Rav Moshe says that people who swallow f- um, pills, they're not. That's not swallowing them in ochel, and therefore it doesn't have a din of achshavay. That's what Ramosha Feinstein pastins. Okay, so something let's say like aspirin or Tylenol and these type of things, that if it has an icky flavor, so there's there's no din there's no din of achshave in it, and it's fine. If you have something that has a sugar flavor, I mean it has a sugar coating or something like that, that's more complicated. Um, definitely for Pesach that's more complicated but normal, you know, other other medicines, if it has a disgusting flavor there's no din of achshavay the Chazonisha also points out that often uh, to make pills they'll use like a starch or, uh, uh, to bind the ingredients together to make them into, like, to glue it together so to speak 
and the Chazon said that that binder doesn't have a din of achshavay, meaning it's not really chilat kelev, and you don't have to worry about the ingredients of the, these pills if it has an icky flavor. If it has a good flavor, like a flavored vitamin, or let's say it has some flavoring, even if you hate that flavoring, even if you detest mint, it doesn't make a difference, then it's really lachilat kelev, and then you get into more problems. Okay? Yes? Um, I'm sorry, just a moment. Therefore, things like cough syrup for sure needs a hashkacha during the year as well, and definitely for Pesach. Yeah? If the gloves have cornstarch powder on them, how's that a problem? Because that's kidney oil. I'll get the kidney oil separately. So, so why, but why would people There are people that are machmir even on the kidney oil. We don't eat kidney oil normally. But I don't, I think it's too much of a chum. I don't think you need a hashkacha and all those things. Okay? Um, questions? None? Yes? That's because of because of the, the being marked on on Chomech, That's why. So nowadays, where where there are the we shouldn't worry. No, no, not necessarily. There's a minute of Chol Yisrael that start, right, started because the people wanted Chol Yisrael at a time that there weren't Hashkafa. If, if there's a good Hashkafa, even if it's not Chol Yisrael, I don't think you need it. I don't think you need to use Chol Yisrael in place of it. I don't think there's a binding minute of Chol Yisrael. Okay. Uh, now we get to the halach of Chamit Sha'oval over Pesach. Chazal, the Rabbana made a Gezerah that if a person, a Jew, owns Chamit intentionally or acts, even accidentally and he discovers it after Pesach, okay, that chametz is also. Okay, it's also bahano, it's also bahilo, and the only time it becomes also is if it's if it's if it's a type of food that you could be over by a matzah on. I'll give you an example. You have matzah that let's say is not necessarily kosher Pesach, or you have matzah that doesn't have the, the greatest hashkaf in the world, and you wouldn't eat it on Pesach. There's not a problem of by Rabbi Matzu on it um, after Pesach. And there's a lot of foods, as I, examples I gave you, that the things you could put away, they're not kosher for Pesach, but they're not chametz. You can't be over by Rabbi Matzu. I'm not talking about that food. If a person, let's say, wants to go to the supermarket after Pesach to buy cornflakes, I don't think that that's a problem, even if the, you're talking about a Jewish owner of, of, of the store. But if you're talking about real chametz, chametz gomor, so that's an issue. You can't, uh, after Pesach, go to a uh, store that's owned by Jews, and the Jews didn't sell the store before Pesach, or didn't take care of the chametz before Pesach, and buy uh, products from them that are are chametz, like beer and whiskey, etc. And whiskey, by the way, is a big issue. A big, big issue. In the um, airport in, in, uh, in Israel, so... That whiskey is owned by a Jew, and even though they sell the whiskey or sell the store to a guy um, before Pesach, it's opened the entire Pesach through. And it's not as if they sell the entire establishment. Uh, it's a serious problem. I think that your person should really refrain for quite a long time from buying whiskey from from Ben Gurion Airport. Talking about whiskey, that's you know whiskey things that are specifically chametz. Not not everything that's sold there is chametz, because it's really owned by a Jew. It's a it's chametz over a pesach. If you sold to a guy, 
and really? kept on selling it over Pesach, I think it, it really raises a, a, a real suffix about the Mechira. If he doesn't own it, then how is he selling it? If he doesn't own the whiskey, how is he selling it? Yeah, no, no it, it, it's a problem. It's a serious problem. Yeah. If he sold the whole establishment, it would be less of a problem. If a guy, in other words, owned it for that amount of time and, and got the profits and, and basically was running it, that would be different. But the boy would have to retain the profits? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um... Let's talk a little bit about Mechirat Chametz. In the good old days, um, God told you, Tashbitu, get rid of your Chametz. You got rid of your Chametz. You burnt it, you were it, whatever it is. You didn't have any Chametz at all. It came at a certain point in time that um, people that owned a lot of Chametz or ran a, ran a business for Chametz uh, weren't able to, to sustain their business without selling their chametz to a guy. Now, what they used to do is, if they would, let's say, own whiskey or own whatever, you know, I don't know, I don't know what kind of you know, preserved chametz they would have in those days, they would actually call the guy, the guy would come with a wagon, and they would sell the chametz to the guy. Gone goodbye. And even if they would go and buy the chametz back from the guy afterwards, it would be a complete sale, you know, as money would, would, would uh, change hands, and the guy would come with his cart and take the chametz away. The modern day Mechir chametz, the sale of chametz, is something completely different. Because, number one, the chametz stays on your premise of the Jew. It stays exactly where it is. And it's not moved uh, elsewhere. Um, number two, the guy himself doesn't really believe, believe Shalem that he owns the chametz as the system is run. The individual Jewish homeowner doesn't really believe that it's not his chametz. The guy doesn't really have access in a real way to the chametz. In other words, if a person owns like a whole collection of whiskey and goes to the rabbi and sells his chametz, you know, if, I don't know, Christopher comes knocking at the door in Cholomoe to pick up his whiskey, there are very, very few Jewish homes that would just open the door and say, oh, sure, come, take it, it's right in here. You know, they would look with shock and disbelief. What? My collection of single malt? Gone in one day? You must be kidding. You know, there's like no way it's going to happen. And that is a lot to the problem, the prob- problematic aspect of the sale. Besides that, besides all this issue, in other words, that number one, it's still on the premise. Number two, both sides don't really believe it's happening. Um, you have other I- issues like the fact that it's harama. Harama meaning it's a loophole. It's not really what God wanted you to do. God wanted you to get rid of your chametz, not just sell it. You know. You know the story of the Jew that that uh, w- was hooked on smoking. You know. So he went to his reform rabbi and said. I was told, you know, that there's a problem of, you know, smoking. What, what am I, what can I do? And he says, well, there's nothing I can help you. I heard, there are different versions, but I'm not going to make fun of reformed Jews now. Um, 
So he went to his Orthodox rabbi. What am you know? Smoke one. He says, "No problem. I'll sell your lungs to a guy." Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's problematic. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that you should be writing home and tell your father, "Don't sell your chametz." Um, that's your father's issue. I'm telling you that you should consider for yourselves when you become owners of chametz, like right now in yeshiva, or later on in college or later on when you when you own own your own home, it's it's really a problematic thing. It's not a simple thing. It was invented, you know, in let's say in, in its in its modern form from in the time of the of the Bach when for for p- business owners that if they didn't have the sale and weren't able to sell their you know their 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 beer or their whiskey, whatever, they'd be wiped out financially. Um, it's not meant to save a hundred dollars worth of chametz. You know, that's just not a significant amount. Now, there are some people that they sell chametz, but they don't sell chametz gomuk. Now, they won't sell whiskey or beer or bread or cookies or these type of things that are chametz gomuk, but they do like a sale for things like their wife's perfume, okay, things that they're not sure whether it's really chametz or not chametz or things that maybe if they would be a tarovet, I just don't want to make sure I'm not over and buy or buy and what say, so they do a sale. That, that I fully understand, and I, I myself, I do that. But for Hamid's Gomor, it really doesn't make sense to do it. Yang. Exactly. For Hamid's Gomor, it really doesn't make sense to do it. So if any of you have, like, the, you know, a hundred packets of oatmeal, who has more than a hundred packets of oatmeal in their room? Come on, admit it. Nobody? There you go. Okay, if you have like, if you have like 100 packets of oatmeal, I would seriously consider like fast consumption. <laughs> and replenish your supply after Pesach. Uh, the Hetem Echiris Chametz, again, it's not meant for these small amounts. It shouldn't be done. Add to that that it's problematic to try to sell Chametz in your dorm rooms when you really don't have... You don't have schirut on the on the dorms. You know, you're not really renting the dorm room. All you're doing is paying tuition, and the yeshiva promises to put a roof over your head. But if yeshiva wants to like kick you out of the dorm, they will, and they do, right? And therefore, you don't have any rights to any particular ground that you could sell to the guy or rent to the guy during the time, you know, over, over Pesach. And therefore, it's not a good it's not a good out. Yes. Hmm? No, I'm talking about some, you know, I'm differentiating between something that you can be over by your by a month, say, and something that you normally, that is a suffix if you were, or you wouldn't be, be over by your by a month, say. That's what I'm saying. Yes? No, Chasmashon, never, ever, ever sell dishes. Don't sell pots, don't sell, don't even sell your sandwich maker that you've never cleaned since the beginning of the year. Don't sell that. Just try your best to clean it and, and whatever you can get to your mavatel and put it in, put it in the back of your closet. Don't sell dishes. You don't have to sell dishes. Yeah. Use use bitter on dishes. What if you're like a serious you know, whiskey connoisseur. Yeah, and you have like a massive thousands of dollars I know many people like that. <laughs> many good from Jews. I, and I was, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, the majority of Shomer Shabbos Jews sell whiskey. It's a fact. I'm just telling you that 
it's better to try to avoid, to avoid that. And maybe if one day you have you have this Yates Sahara for whiskey, and you're talking about a, a loss of a thousand dollars, you know, a huge amount, I could understand the person weakening and, and going to the rabbi and, and, and using the sale for something like that. I could understand that, but not for a hundred packets of oatmeal, not for a jar of marmite. You know what I'm saying? That I just don't think you should be selling chametz for, for that type of thing. So that you must be destroyed. Personally, I'm very <laughs> mocked not to allow myself to, 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 you know, have that amount of whiskey. So I don't even have a yet Sahara to keep, you know, to hold it over. But, yeah. Yeah. Try. Let's say, like, I know some places they have... They have. They send the guy, to the guy to one house, no, but they service let's say a thousand homes. Obviously, they're doing that to make it look more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to sell kidney oats. I'll get the kidney oats next week. Kidney oats is mutabahana. I used to go fishing with, with corn on Pesach. <laughs> yeah? I heard that with fish, we could like go into a field and like sit at a special and that was like... And hope no one finds it, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's what I heard. You're allowed to be mafkir something, usually, you know, you're supposed to be mafkir in front of three people. If you hide it such that no one can find it, I'm just saying if you throw it in a field where you know the chances are high that no one's going to find it, so it might not be a good hefker, you know. But I would imagine that if you reach the right level of hefker, you wouldn't be over in the isra. Yeah. So practically speaking, in some of yeshiva, could you not, if you have no chametz gomer, regular chametz, if you like, could you not give that to someone as and that to sell? I mean, if you had, let's say, cologne. Or something like that. Or, or even right. food. You could give it to, like, a kolelnik yeah. as a matana gemura. Yeah. Okay. okay? That's, that's a good point. If you, let's say, own toothpaste or cologne, and you're not sure whether it has alcohol, doesn't have alcohol, so you can give it to some kolelnik that, that does a mechira. Just don't keep it in your room. And give it as a matana gemura, you completely give it up then. What about proper food? It's not how it's gone. Like? Chocolate. Chocolate, I don't think you should sell. Unless it, has, unless it has, like, you know, cookie crumbs or, or, or wheat in the ingredients, you don't need to sell it. You just put it in your, in your, in your closet. Okay? Any other questions? Yes? So that's n- not an easy issue. If you own stock in a company, it depends if, if, it's, if it's, you know, a significant amount of stock that you, ha- you would have some kind of a say in the running of the company, it's a much, much a bigger problem than a person who, you know, has a tiny percentage and his say wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't make a difference at all. He has absolutely no control over it. <coughs> yes? Just to clarify with the Torah thing, so if you know that there's not a Kaziah, but you're not sure if it's possible Shishim, put it in the closet. If you know that there's, if you're certain that there's not a Kaziah, again, a Kaziah is the size of an olive, yeah. not that big. You probably could if, if it's a tarovit, if it's if it's mixed in. Yeah. One goes away from somewhere they have comets. Then they, there's no chance they'll be tempted by have it. Not comets going, but there's no chance. Like you can own a Balyura by Matzei. So I'm saying so there's no chance. You open Balyura by Matzei. Is it your eyes? I'm saying if you like left, you're miles away from wherever that is, but there's no chance you coming back to where it is and see it or have any temptation because you're too far away. Yeah. You're over on the Isra of Lo Yi Matzei Lacha Chametz. Who share are you in? Some, some guy. Bye, Rabbi Matzah. Okay.
עד כאן.